Hello there. Julian Richings here. You're listening to Don't Go Out There. Enjoy. What's thou like to live deliciously? In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin. And they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all the support. Uh, before I jump into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Our website is everything about this podcast you need to know. We got all our episodes, our interviews, our blog. Our, our store, we got some new merch up. You want to check that out. And we got the link to all of our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Go follow us and subscribe to us on those platforms. You know, we really love interacting with all of our fans. Uh, we appreciate your feedback. And, you know, we always read all of our questions and comments on the show. So it's a good way to uh, have your voice heard in a way. Uh, before we get into the film review, I just want to, for all of our YouTube viewers, just want to show off these new tumblers. A big fan of the show, friend of the show, blood donor of the show, Shan. She made these tumblers for us. They've got these handsome, handsome co-host of us. Look at us. I mean, just look at us. I mean, would you look at that? They're really good. They're really nice. They're awesome. Really appreciate you, Shan, for making these for us. Uh, you know, we'll link her Etsy page below on all of our social medias. Go check it out. You know, she's a... She's an awesome woman, and uh, we really appreciate her and her hard work. Y'all show her some love, and if you're foreign, like in Canada or something like that, just send her a personal message, DM or whatever, and she can get you one sent to her. Just Etsy charges out the wahoo to do all that. I'd like to say but, real uh, quick that uh, I, too, appreciate my Tumblr, Shan. I left mine on my desk at work today by mistake. Otherwise, I could have joined you guys in holding it up. That's my bad. <laughs> Hey, whose voice is that? Is anybody? That's crazy. Who? Who oh, is this? It's the ghost oh, of Mike. Co- Mike's on mute, so he really is a ghost right now. It's the ghost of co-host. But, uh, by God, ghost of co-host could that be? Could that be? That's Dustin Franklin's music. By God, I'm bad, and I'm better than ever. <laughs> Dustin is back. Uh, good to have you back, brother. Uh, we've been thinking about you. Been praying Appreciate for you. That. Uh, send, sending our best thoughts and vibes and hearts out to you. Uh, tonight's film review, my choice this week, chose 2015's The Witch or Vivitch or however you want to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know why, but a couple months ago, I just felt the need to watch this movie just because, like I brought up in the past, in a lot of horror groups on Facebook, this movie is one of those you love it or you hate it, so I finally just chose to watch it. Uh, first time I watched it, creeped me the hell out. Honestly, the the way the witch looked. Uh, previous like previous film reviews we've done on this show, I've you know we brought it up. It's like at the end of the movie, it made me feel some type of way. I felt different. You know, it's not like watching a Jason or Freddie movie or a Michael movie. You know, you just watch it for fun. This one just it made me feel like I love movies that make me feel something when I get done watching it. I think the movie is great. Uh, that's why I picked it. And I think Robert Eggers, I like what he's done so far. And sneak peek next year, we'll be doing his other movie, The Lighthouse. So just be prepared for that. Uh, Brian, what you, what are your thoughts? You're the only Brian. person I was worried about, mostly about not liking it. 
I would like to say that everybody was wrong in saying that I wouldn't like this movie because I do think that it's a good movie. Um, it's going to get a high rating from me. Now, is it high rewatchability for me? No. And did I quote, I'm doing air quotes here uh, for on YouTube, enjoy it watching it? No. Um, like it's one of those where I was like, wow, okay. I mean, that was good, but yeah, that may be it for me on that one. Uh, it bothered me. Uh, it wasn't an easy watch for me. And admittedly I had to turn on the subtitles. Uh, that wasn't English. They were speaking no way, despite what they say. Uh, <clears throat> you know, first time writer director, Robert Eggers did a great job putting us in that time period, including the way that they talked. And it was just, it was just too hard for me without the subtitles. I, I had to make sure I got everything. That's not a complaint. I mean, actually I don't mind subtitles at all. And look, I've heard this movie compared to Midsummer, but I hated Midsummer. Uh, I'd say it's only comparable in the sense that it didn't leave me wanting to watch it again. But <laughs> but but I found it a much easier watch. Not in the sense that I overly like enjoyed it. It captured me. Uh, I was able to relate more to it. I guess the dark, as eerie as it was here, and I'll get into more of that later. But the dark not necessarily comforted me, but it I don't know. It made me feel more comfortable than the entire thing being almost broad daylight like Midsummer was. And I understand the similarities, but I don't at all put these two in the same category. This movie got under my skin to me because it's real. It, it's more relatable to Passion of the Christ to me. I mean, that that's why demonic movies freak me out, you know, because to me it's real. And I mean, do I believe in witches? No, but demons, packs with the devil, gifts and riches based on those packs for your soul. That's real shit. I mean, hell, ask much of Hollywood and, well, never mind. Anyway, be, be, before I, I, I get off on a tangent, this definitely had me transfixed for much of it. It's not usually my type of movie. And if it, if it had been in any other setting, I'm not real sure I would have cared a whole lot much for it, but you know, it, it all comes together. I think here, I think it's real. The cast is absolutely phenomenal. Hey, I'm ready to get into it. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. Uh, yeah. So look, um, I'm in the same line as Brian here. I like this movie and I, by the way, I appreciate the hell out of what this movie is trying to do. Um, I love history. I know I'm not the only co-host that feels that way. So to put myself in that that time period, that historical setting, right there is a way to my heart if you do it correctly. <laughs> this movie almost does it too correctly. <laughs> where, you know, like uh, Brian mentioned, I can't understand what they're saying sometimes. And I'm telling you, I had the volume up. And I'm not going to mention where I watched this movie at but subtitles were not an option, so you had to grin and bear. But listen, uh, I think it's really good, man. Robert Eggers does a great job as a director. Uh, the writing is good because, like it says at the end, it's uh, you know through historic journals and stuff like that. And I, I really do appreciate the attention to detail, the 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 building of the sets, like they would have built stuff back in the day, the clothes made like they made clothes back in the day. I love all of the the what went into making this movie. The movie itself, it's not an enjoyable experience. It's not supposed to be. Um, I I will say the people in this movie act their ass off. My hat goes off to this whole cast. I think they're phenomenal. Even the little shithead, man, fuck them kids twins. They're supposed to be assholes and they are. It is great. Um, I just love, I love a lot of ingredients in this movie. Again, this is not a very rewatchable film to me. Um, now, if I'm in the mood for one of these more artsy horror, for lack of a better term, I would probably put this on second to Hereditary. And and 
I, I would put Hereditary on first, but this would be a close second to me. So I'm excited to talk about it because there's a lot to talk about. But uh, yeah, I I like the film, but it's not one I want to revisit very often because it's so it, – there's never any up moments. There's no moment of joy. There's no moment of even humor except when uh, Thomason is kind of shitting on her little you know, uh, twin sister or whatever. That's the only time I'm like, ha ah, you little shit. But uh, that ended up biting her in the ass. So, yeah. Anyway, excited to talk about it. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to do want to say it's good to be back, and I appreciate the positive thoughts and prayers uh, while I was dealing with a lot of stuff in my personal life. Um, second of all, I want to thank Nico for uh, finally picking a movie that I agree with him on. Uh, third of all, as far as this movie finally. goes, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We've actually been on a roll lately, agreeing. But um, finally, oh, no, no, sorry. <laughs> I. Uh, Watch this movie today for the first time. I had planned on rejoining you guys this week, no matter what. Uh, Nico told me, you know, last week, he's like, take all the time you need. Uh, we'd love to have you back for the next episode. Unless you hate it, then take even more time if you need it. And that made me <laughs> laugh. But I'd already decided I was coming back tonight and uh, got home from work, turned it on, and was just immediately captivated. I think that, like Mike said, I'm a huge history guy, so the historical accuracy is far, down to the details of how they built the set. I just I appreciate the hell out of it so much. The atmosphere is incredible in this movie. Um, it just looks cold as fuck, this entire movie, and gloomy. Uh, it looks like, uh, you know, the Northeast in 1630 would look, I guess. Um, the character, um, the acting is phenomenal. The wardrobe is phenomenal. And then, like Brian said, uh, this is the kind of movies that really make me feel uneasy because based on my upbringing and my beliefs, I don't fuck with this kind of stuff, man. Keep this shit away from me. And so it's, this is scarier than any slasher movie. This is scarier than any, uh, you know, extraterrestrial movie or anything like oh, that, yeah. because this shit is, I've been led to believe my entire life that this shit could happen and I don't fuck with it. And they nailed it. The same, same thing yeah. when I said with uh, paranormal activity, about how this movie just felt like it's my worst fears my whole life come to fruition on the screen. That's how this one feels. Um, and so I, I just, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I agree with what you guys said. I'm, I'm excited to break this one down. I'm, thank you for picking it because I probably would have never pushed play on it had someone not picked it on the show. Real quick, Same. before you go, Nico, the, the sound slash music in this movie is another one where it's its own character. Uh, just oh, yeah. these, mm -hmm. not even just so much the music, although definitely the music, but the sounds of like, the, just like the vocal, like screeching that sound that you get from this music is its own character. And I love a movie that, that, that has that incorporated and does it the right way that it, it's such a creepy feeling the entire film, partially because of every time you have a shot of the trees, which by the way, I know Brian doesn't want to hear this, but I'm, my man Eggers has some Stanley Kubrick in him, you know. He he he's got some nature shots. He 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 stays on scenes a little bit, lets them linger a little bit, kind of like Kubrick does. So, but the music that they use for it makes it work more so than even Kubrick to me. So that's so I thought that was a huge positive was the way they use sound in this film as a character. And to play on what Dustin said, look, this is a, a not fun fact. But the Satanic Temple actually endorsed this movie and hosted yeah. several screenings of yeah. the film. 
Their spokesperson, I'm not even going to say his fucking name, fuck him, addressed the film as an (laughs) impressive presentation of satanic insight that will inform contemporary discussion of religious experience. Wow. Yeah, I had to uh, to bow my head and ask for forgiveness for even pushing play on this demonic piece of shit, but it's a good movie. (laughs) So since Brian said, wait now, Brian said it reminds him of Passion of the Christ. Sounds like we have a movie review coming up. All right, cool. Sounds good. Nope. I don't don't Uh, want to do that movie for uh, Mike, just want to touch on something you said about Kubrick. I actually watched a couple of uh, Robert Eggers' interviews today, and he said, and I quote, in my 20s, I watched The Shining a lot. He said, no movie felt completely tense and like no, you know, like no let up like The Shining, like throughout the whole movie. He, you know, Robert Eggers was very highly influenced by The Shining, and he loved that movie. So, uh, y'all ready to jump into it? Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm counting on you three because this is a super dialogue-heavy movie. Uh, another one of those kind of movies for me, but uh, I chose it, so I guess it's my fault that I got stuck with this dialogue-heavy movie. But <laughs> let's jump into it. And shout-out to a friend of the show, Julian Richings. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he's the I governor at the beginning of this movie, so shout-out to him, friend of the show. The governor. Check out that interview at Weird, Brian. Don'tquotherd.com. All right, let's jump into it. Film starts with a title card now. Our main family is in front of the governor. William says he can't be judged by false Christians in front of the town folk. William and his family are asked to leave the town, and he's glad to do so. The family rides away in a like a horse and buggy, and the town closes the doors on them. They stop and build a campfire, and the next day they find a place to build a home and worship God on their new property. Thomason is now praying for forgiveness as we see Catherine breastfeeding the youngest child, Sam. Thomason takes Sam out into the field by the woods and lays him on the ground. She plays peekaboo with him several times. Then all of a sudden, Sam is missing from where he was. She cries out for him running towards the woods. We see a woman in a red cloak running in the woods carrying Sam with her. We're in her like house hut now, and the woman undresses Sam and rubs his body. She takes a knife and kills a child, and she's now like churning his body. She rubs his blood on her on her body. The witch rubs Sam's blood on her broom as well. Caleb walks past his sleep his sleeping siblings but takes a peek at his sister's chest as she sleeps. He wakes Thomason as we hear the mother crying. He goes outside now and finds his dad amongst the crops. He tells Caleb, mother hasn't slept a night since Sam went missing. If not a wolf, hunger would have taken him by now. William says Caleb to jo- or William asks Caleb to join him in the woods to catch food. They don't have enough harvest to survive the winter. Thomason goes to her mother who lies in her bed crying and praying. Thomason, Thomason fetches water now. Caleb and William are in the woods now, and they talk about sin. They set more traps, and Caleb asks if Samuel was born a sinner. He asks if he is in hell. He then asks, what if I were to die? Caleb asks where he got some of his hunting equipment. William traded Catherine's silver cup to get them without telling her. Thomason checks the coop for eggs, and she drops one, noticing the embryo in it. William tells Caleb not to tell mother of the cup. He will tell her when grief has passed. They call for Fowler the dog who barks at a rabbit. William struggles to load the gun, but finally shoots at it. He misses, and like it backfires, and like the powder hits him in his eye. Mercy and Jonas skip around the yard, singing about Black Philip the Goat. Thomason, Thomason cleans out the pen uh, by the woods. Uh, William gets control of the goat and gets it back in its pen. Catherine asks where he and Caleb went, and now she scolds Thomason for not watching Mercy and Jonas. Thomason helps remove William's shirt, as the whole family seems to argue. Caleb tells her they went to find apples in the woods, but they didn't find any. He said he had saw some. He thought he'd seen them and wanted to cheer his mother. William has Caleb get water for his mother now. 
All right, Brian, that's the opening scenes they got. Go ahead, man. Hey, so first off, William, uh, Ralph Ennison, Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Wars, Game of Thrones. Dude has been in a ton of stuff, I'm sure you've seen. Man, his voice. Yeah. When I first saw this, when I first saw this, I thought it was Tony Todd. I mean, if you, if you ever needed a voice for Candyman, Jordan Peele, and you can't get Tony, Ralph Ennison has you. Uh, but, okay, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think you... I don't think you need this opening scene with the Puritan jury thing and them being banished. I think that with the dialogue throughout that you could accomplish what you accomplished here. I think maybe, you know, maybe it's just an excuse to kind of get some visuals of the town. Uh, But to me, it's kind of wasted. I mean, do we see the town at any other part of this movie? I don't think so. I mean, and look, hats off to Eggers, man. He had them build this town from scratch using techniques from that time period. But was that kind of a waste when the only time you see this was for like five seconds whenever they're walking through to the beginning? But um, look, I appreciate trying to world build, but I just personally, if you're going to cut something, I think that this would be uh, something you would cut. Uh, okay, since you guys touched on this, absolutely beautiful shots of the wilderness here. Quick shots of the wilderness. Notice I said quick because this isn't a quick because this isn't a Kubrick film which you know I I can see I've heard the the comparisons between Edgar and and Kubrick but I can definitely see some of the comparisons but it's not even close in the sense that I actually enjoy Edgar's films I've seen so far let's move on before I get you know hate mail from from my co-host and everybody else but <laughs> uh Edgar's does send your tweets to at b four. yep cutting that out all right so anyway um God, he's the editor. <laughs> does such a good job. He spent five years researching this whole period. Every little detail. Uh, 90% of the film is natural light, even down to the fucking mannerisms of everyone is on point. Uh, he definitely captured the period. Um, now, 90% of that light thing is a little, it's a little hard to see for me in some points. And Mike touched on it. I'll go ahead and get this off my chest. Like how amazing this soundtrack by Mark Corvin is. Uh, Corvin's done the lighthouse. Uh, he, he's done the new resident evil movie, which I'm seeing this week. Hopefully, um, this soundtrack, it fills you with dread. It's a phenomenal fucking soundtrack. Uh, Anna Taylor joy. I think she's a phenomenal actress to keep using the same word. Phenomenal. Love the queen's gambit. It's the first time I'd ever seen her anything. She obviously carries that series by herself. Um, she's so phenomenal here. Uh, my thoughts as <laughs> she's asking forgiveness right off the bat here makes me think, wow, I'm definitely going to hell by these standards. But uh, this sets up one of the many themes here, which is her, Thomason, struggling with her faith. And uh, it's a great, it's uh, it's great. Um, Lastly, you know, the scenes here with the Samuel being taken by the witch that runs fucking faster than Usain Bolt, apparently, by the way. This is definitely the first on top of one of the scenes that bothered me the most. You know, as as a father, it fucking just revolted me to watch, which is probably I think it's the first time I've ever used the word revolted on the show. Uh, but that's the right word here. Like, you know, in that and that's that's the thing, right, though. I mean, Eggers didn't show us what happened. He gave us the aftermath. And yes, you kind of see some disturbing imagery, but he let your mind be the bad guy and your imagination makes this even worse. I mean, it. I mean, it makes me just want to even throw up just thinking about it. But go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so I. I like this opening scene here in the town. I don't disagree with you wholeheartedly or anything. I like the fact that we get the story of exactly what happened. You almost could have, if you wanted to opened up with them at the gates of their, of the Commonwealth, like just kind of looking at the gate, like shit, what do we do now? Like maybe that would have cut down some time, but I do like that. We have a backstory of why they're out on their own. Like I do like that. Um, so, and, 
So you kind of mentioned a lot of the actors. Cast is great. Uh, Ralph Ineson, again, he was so good that it, it he 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 was almost too good because I couldn't understand anything he was saying. <laughs> like like it was almost like obviously this is supposed to be the 1630s, and so 2021 dialogue just isn't the same. Like we say stuff like balls and and fuck and all this other stuff and they're like art thou okay like I, I like you know it's just kind of a different time and but i do love the accuracy like that is so it pulls me into that time period and i, I think it's so so good uh right here in the beginning and obviously you could tell um as much as they as much as this family outside the mom kind of claims to be this these big you know, Puritan Christian people, they're all sinners in their own way. Uh, or at least the main, you know, the main characters are and y'all and, and their, their sins kind of get revealed as the movie goes. Um, and I like, you know, I kind of like that about this film. You know, no one's a perfect, uh, entity here or person for lack of a better term. And so again, love Anya toy Taylor as well, or Taylor joy, excuse me. She's great in the queen's gambit. It's one of my favorite things Netflix has ever done. Uh, I freaking love that show. She's great in that. Finally watched last night in Soho. I didn't do an instant reaction because I, I don't think it called for it, but it was great as well. Or at least in my opinion, it was. So, um, yeah, this movie has a lot of dialogue. But I do think just, first of all, the first shot that we get of the trees, and I'm going to give Dead Meat credit because I watched the kill count about an hour ago just to kind of have a refresher. He said, I don't know why anyone would move here. Those are the loudest fucking trees I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh Damn, too. That's, that was good. That was good, James. Uh, but that's a that's a thought I didn't even think about. Yeah, so um, this dad chops a lot of wood. Uh, I guess that's why he has a six-pack later on in the movie. He's swinging the axe. Uh, he, but I understand it's kind of a metaphor for his masculinity and kind of struggles with it because he's not a great provider and all this other stuff. So I do like that. Um, this set of scenes has one of the more disturbing, not that we see it. It's not like uh, a Serbian film or anything where you see what happens. This movie leaves it up to your mind. And of course, your mind goes to the worst fucking place, which makes you feel like a giant piece of shit for your mind going there and mission accomplished. This scene with Sam and the witch and the blood and everything else it's it's really horrifying, man. Like it is really terrifying stuff. It's good horror. It, I mean, like it's good horror at actually making my skin crawl. The first time I ever saw this movie, like that was not something that I saw coming. Um, I like this this like. So I didn't. I've I've seen a lot of people kind of take Caleb staring at Thomas's or Thomason's chest the wrong way. To me, it's just a young, growing boy, sheltered boy, for that matter, kind of discovering what boobs are, like any other young, growing boy. Like, I know it's kind of a weird thing because technically it's his sister, but think of how sheltered this family is. They live on in this thing on their own. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. What I was just going to say was with that, I think what they're trying to go for with Caleb is that no one was is without sin, not even Caleb. And they've yeah. got they've got this they've got this whole seven deadly sins thing going on with yeah. with his I think his I think being lust, lust. and yeah. Williams it, it, be, it, Williams being pride and so pride. forth and so forth. Yeah. But yeah, 
that's what I think they were going for with that. I, I don't think it was an incestual thing. No, no, not at all. Uh, one last thing I, I do want to say. I think that uh, it would fucking suck to be a Puritan in the 1630s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, shout out to Kate Dickey, who plays Catherine. She's oh, awesome. Yeah. It, 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 she played, golly, man, I love the acting here. I, I think she's great, man. I'll never forgive her oh. for uh, for being Lysa Aaron. Oh, Before yeah, you exactly. go, Anya Taylor-Joy, call me sometime. Oh, Jesus. Had to get uh, it in, brother. Uh, yeah, I'll never forgive her for being Lysa Aaron. Um, she was a terrible mother in that movie, and she tried to kill her uh, uh, yep. daughter in this one. So, yeah, she's just a bad mother all around. <clears throat> Spoiler <laughs> alert. Multiple man fucked them kid awards going out. Um so starting wow, off this set of scenes, twins. <laughs> starting off with this set of scenes, uh, Brian, you brought up a good point about how you feel like the opening scene could have really been condensed and we didn't need that trial scene. But I think we kind of I, I like that they had that in because it really lets you know a, pe- a peek into uh, William's mind. He was so strong in his convictions and he was sticking to his guns about what he believes is right that. By seeing the fact that he's willing to have his family exiled and be on their own because he feels like they're not uh, adhering to God's word, that just makes it more, it helps you empathize with their hardships later in the movie because it really, like I just kept going back to, all this would have been fine if he had just kind of swallowed his pride and went along yeah. with it, but he would have been yep. going back on his conviction. So I think it did a great job of showing the strength of him and his faith in that movie. Because we're going to find out that that's about the only strength that he has because he sucks in a lot of other areas. Um, hey, he can cut some fucking wood, though, God damn it. <laughs> you ain't lying. He's a wood chopper from way back. Fuck, that's about <laughs> fucking it, dude. That's about all this man is good at. Holy shit. Um, and I, I did put in my notes that William's voice is the best voice in any movie we've ever covered. Um, Tony Todd, I think he's right there with Tony Todd. I think... His voice is better because it gets even deeper at times. And it's like, holy shit, this sounded menacing, uh, which is it's kind of ironic because he had such a menacing voice, but he was a man of God. So it's uh, quite a juxtaposition there. Um, I put that Lisa Aaron is a bad mom. Um, we see it <laughs> in this movie as well because she, you know, lets her baby get taken by a witch. So I guess the real man fucked in kids award has to be to the witch because First of all, she puts a baby penis in the focus of the camera. I don't appreciate that shit. I don't want to look at a baby penis. I don't even like looking at that one Nirvana album cover. Um, <laughs> second of all, just killing the baby and grinding that baby into some baby butter. What the fuck are you doing mm. there? And rubbing it all over your skin. Um, sheet. Uh, anyway. And then, you know, William. Jesus Christ. <laughs> William. Did y'all miss me? William kind of gets a... Uh, a man fucked some kids award too because he put his family in this shitty situation where his kid could get dragged off into the woods. And the man is a terrible head of the family. He can't, uh, he can't farm. He can't hunt. He can't do shit. He's trading their stuff, the family belonging and selling their belongings without telling them and lying to cover it up and letting his kid lie to his mom saying, we we're looking for apples. You fucking lying bastard. Like he's just letting all this shit go on right with under, right under his nose when he's, Moved out here for, you know, his convictions, his religion, his faith in God. And he's doing all these things that are just not good. Um, so 
this whole family is built on lies. So it's kind of it's kind of funny because at one point you you feel empathy and you sympathize with them because of what they're going through, but at the same time they all are guilty of these things. It's like yeah, you kind of bringing it on yourself. So anyway, it's a good strong opening scene uh, to the movie because the atmosphere, the score, the sounds, the lighting, everything is done so perfectly that you're just uh, you're kind of sucked into it if you can get past the dialogue, which I watched the subtitles, so I had no problem there. Right. And before you go, Nico, I just wanted to say, like, Eggers, man, gives you gives us so much fucking folklore, you know, as, as yeah. well as like I love the, the folklore part, but. It took me, like, for instance, with the witches smothering themselves in the blood of the unbaptized to be able to fly. I did, had no idea about the first time I watched this. And I honestly was like, what the fuck is she doing? And because even that shot with the moon, I didn't get it. I didn't quote unquote get that she was flying even then, like the first time I watched it. Um, I honestly wasn't sure what I was looking at. It was just kind of like a blurry shot. I don't know. I think that. You could have had the kids talk about these folklores, like even the the folklore with with the rabbits being known as quote uh, familiars to witches. Um, in some folklore, witches can be turned into hares. Like if you would have had maybe the kids talk about some of these folklores, like even joking amongst themselves or whatever. Um, I think that that would have maybe helped explain it some uh, because there's a lot of I mean a lot of people. Me, for instance, I didn't know a lot about these folklores, you know, as deep as Eggers was trying to portray. Yeah, I agree. All right, William is chopping wood now, and Thomason is washing clothes in the brook. Caleb joins and stares at her chest again as he gets his mother water. She splashes water at him and asks him what's wrong. She holds him, and she holds him, and Caleb and her begin to play and tickle until they hear Mercy rustling. She says she's the witch of the woods. She says Black Philip says she can do what she likes. She says she's seen the witch in the woods. Thomason says it was I. I be the witch of the woods. She walks slowly to Mercy. She says she can make her vanish, too. She gets her to the ground and swears her to secrecy. Caleb says a wolf stole Sam. The family is at the table for dinner, and William prays over their meal. He breaks bread for the family. Catherine asks Thomason what she's done with her silver cup. She says she hasn't touched it. She says she's seen her trifling with it. She asks if a wolf vanished that, too. William asks Caleb to read a chapter out of the Word tonight to bring some light into their darkness. Catherine has Thomason check on the goats outside. Thomason goes out to the pen and sees the rabbit from earlier in there with the goats. William tells Catherine she must sleep tonight as she prays and weeps. She lies next to him and says she knows he loves her. He says we must turn our thoughts towards God. She says God's cursed his family. She said we should have never have left the plantation. Catherine calls out for her kids to see if they're awake or asleep. And then she says Thomason is old enough to be like what volunteered to help with another family or something like that. She says our son is in hell. She says we will starve. Our corn is trash and cries. He tells her he will take Thomas into town to help other families. Caleb feeds the horse now and Thomason sneaks up on him asking what he's doing. She insists on joining him as they go into the woods together. They caught a rabbit in one of the traps. They head back. Then the dog starts to bark again when it sees the rabbit. He chases after the rabbit and Caleb chases after the dog. And now the horse throws Thomason off knocking her unconscious. All right, go ahead, Brian. Uh, and I know this kind of goes back to the last scene a little bit, but Black Phillip, 
man, after watching it once and then you go back the, the next time or, and I'm sure if I ever watch it again, I'll feel the same way, but Black Phillip just seeing him on screen like entices some fucking serious emotions from me. Like I instantly become angry when he came on the screen like the second time I watched the movie. I'm like, fuck you, Black Phillip. <laughs> and I mean like, <laughs> I mean like there's so much foreshadowing here with the twins too. Like their song calling him the king of all and we're all his servants. The first time I missed you know, thinking that they're maybe talking about God, but obviously later you kind of go back and you're like, oh shit, no, they're talking about Satan. They're talking about Lucifer and that fucking goat. So props to Edgar for, for writing something that spurred such emotion from me. It made me feel that way. I think Marce, Mercy and uh, Marseille or Mercy, however you say it, um, and Jonas, especially for child actors, I think they do a great job as well. Like Mike, Mike, Mike briefly touched on earlier, playing what they're supposed to be playing. Yeah, absolutely. It's like making you feel how they're supposed, how you're supposed to feel. And the actress who played I mean, Mercy was in the village too, two years before this. Oh, honestly, didn't even know that. That's, that's awesome. Do they get on your nerves? Yeah. I mean, they're supposed to, um, you know, especially the scene at the water with Thomason and, and Mercy. I think Ellie Granger and, and Anya are great. Like, although, you know, the character of Thomason, you're like, shit, what are you doing? Like, damn, did you really have to do that? Like you, because you know, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that shit like that's going to come back to haunt you. Even, you know, even just watching it the first time, you're like, yeah, that probably wasn't the best way to handle that there, Thompson. But, you know, and, and sometimes like I kind of touched on this in my opening, like using that natural light makes it a little dark, which it does to me here in this scene here with the dinner table. Um, and is it wrong that I thought like I think isn't this the scene where William says we're going to fa- it's a fast day tomorrow for all of our sins? I, you know, I was like fast day. Y'all don't even fucking have any food. Like, I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> I was like, come on, that's <laughs> fucked up. Um, and, uh, you know, that and giving giving the kids to other families to work. Look, thank God for not letting me be born back then. The 1600s sounds like it sucked balls. Um, the last thing I wanted to say is just the fun fact. Like, Stephen King has stated that he is actually terrified by this film. So, makes sense. Whew. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, here's William Chopping Wood again, by the way. Just motherfucking Chopping Wood. Um, yeah, so I a lot of this set of scenes kind of – and I know that our focus is supposed to be on Thomason, but Caleb, to me, is the most interesting character as far as until he, he meets his – spoiler, he meets his end. But to me, he's the most complex character, the most interesting character because I could tell he's probably a really good kid. That just like, you know, yeah, his sin is lust, but like on the grand scale of stuff, I don't really see the issue. Uh, but he, you know, he lives in this lifestyle. So to me, this is the the big or what would I take away for, for, from this set of scenes. The one at the dinner table. First of all, fuck off, bomb. All right. You're coming at me with the wrong tone. You're accusatory. <laughs> I didn't take this fucking cup. All right? I'm just saying. First of all, like you said, Brian, living back then, and not that I would like curse at my mama, but I'd be like, hey, Sherry, that's my mom's name. Sherry, I did not take your damn cup. All right? <laughs> thy, thy did not take I did, thy thy did not take your cup. I don't even because know they used cup. the word your back then. But anyway, <laughs> I didn't take your cup. But I like that interaction because here's what I like about the character of Williamson. Like, he he knows he's the one that took the cup. So he kind of like half-ass backwards stands up 
for Thomason, but it's only because he's a guilty motherfucker. It's not because he actually is like sticking up for it. That's the way that I took it. So like again, he he tries to be this big provider guy or whatever, and he's kind of kind of a snake to me. Like he's he's just as much of a sinner as anybody else that he tries to talk about, which he gets called out for later, which is a scene that I fucking love. Um, so I like that scene at the dinner table. I know you talked about the lighting, Brian. And if you're watching it in the daylight with a glare on the TV, it is kind of difficult. Uh, but if you watch it at the right time, I think it looks fantastic and looks exactly how it would have looked back then when you have dinner by candlelight, um, especially in the winter. So uh, I look and I really like the scene. Where I kind of already briefly mentioned it where Thomason kind of shits on mercy, you know, makes her feel love like a dumb little kid or whatever, kind of scares her just to play a joke. But like you said, Brian, this most recent rewatch, I'm like, why did you do that? That's so stupid. You know, these little shithead kids are going to go to your parents with that. Like, that's exactly there was no other ending to that and her doing that, except for her being tattletailed on. That's exactly how that was going to end. But I do like the scene and I like the relationship that we have with Caleb and Tom and uh, and Thomason. Like, they seem like a really good brother, sister to me that are just trying to kind of figure things out. They're in this new place. They have no idea. Like, and Thomason's old enough to remember her home in England, which they kind of touch on here. And Caleb's kind of, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of there with it. So like, there's a good dynamic there that I really enjoy. And I liked it. Uh, Again, I, I just like the character of Caleb and this whole thing makes me, a little, or what's about to happen makes me a little sad because I wanted to, to see more of them and we don't get any more of them. But that's pretty much all I had. Again, very dialogue here in the middle where it's just a lot of talking and crying. There's a lot of crying <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> so, like, there's just a lot of dialogue and a lot of crying. So not a whole lot of notes per se, but just things that, like, stuff that I really enjoy is more like the shots that we get of of as the riding the horse shots that we get of him chopping wood where I think he's not even, the camera's not really focused on him. It's more focused on the trees in the back. Like I just really like those Kubrick-esque things that he does for lack of a better term. So yeah, Dustin, go ahead. Hey, in conclusion to Mike's story in Puritan times, uh, Sherry would have locked Mike in the barn. So Mike would live in the barn back then, just in conclusion. Sure, would have whooped my ass. What you talking about? <laughs> and then put you in the barn. Yeah, and then put me in the barn. God, what a terrible dad. Anyway. So, yeah. Uh, what Brian, what you said about Black Phillip. So, I had a feeling that Black Phillip was... Uh, I picked up on that very early on just because the uh, cover art to this movie or the poster for the movie has, you know, the... the uh, goat head and just knowing uh baphomet baphomet is the uh the image that's used by satanists and uh i may be wrong on that i'm sorry if i'm not up on my satanism but um you know baphomet's the (laughs) goat-headed evil being that is used to as the image of satan i guess um and so i just knew that when you see a fucking black goat not not for me fuck that and then especially when you listen to the kids singing their little songs uh, this is, you know, I would have Spartan kicked those kids off a cliff myself. Those kids give me the heebie-jeebies <laughs> worse than the twins and the shiny. Um, 
But, you know, here's the thing. Thomason, which, by the way, what what, what the fuck kind of name is Thomason? Um, that she really brought all this up on herself because, like the rest of the movie, if she would have just not antagonized her twin siblings and told them that she was the witch, instead just went straight to the mom and dad and be like, hey, these kids over here saying they said something about a witch, like that could have turned the tables instead they she told him that she's the witch and they use that shit against her later in the movie the last thing i have on this is uh you know caleb is <laughs> first of all i do think it's funny that this is essentially a one-room cabin that they're living in and these parents are having just a full-fledged argument and they're like Shh, you'll wake the kids like what what the fuck are did they sleep with cotton in their ears like yeah they heard every word <laughs> But um, everything we do will wake the kids. Breathe, yeah. shit, sleep. <laughs> We're waking the kids. But uh, you know, the next morning when Thomason walks out and finds Caleb gathering the horse and shit, and he's like, "Go back to bed. If if you let me do this, I'll be back by midday, and uh, you won't have to be going off to any other family." What? She, he should not have let her go because if he just says. When she says, uh, let me go with you, I will, and she, she says, go back to bed. She says, I will not. I would just be like, okay, then don't. I'll let him take your ass to another family. Like, it's simple as that. She, she will do what you say, but instead, she goes off with you, so you got too many things going on. You get distracted by the rabbit, and that's how shit goes downhill. So all this could have been avoided if Thompson just listened to her, trust her brother and, uh, you know, mind your own fucking business. Instead, she's putting her nose out there where it didn't belong. Just mind your business. <laughs> Most movies that we cover, could, the the conflict could have been avoided if people would just mind their fucking business. Go ahead. Bro, that's that's the horror genre as a whole. Not going to lie. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of society in general as a whole. But That's yeah. fair. <laughs> all right. The family is now all calling out for Thomason and Caleb. Caleb is now calling out for Thomason, and it tips the whistle. He begins to pray now as he walks the woods. He hears a dog yelping and runs towards it. He finds a doll, like, mutilated. Thomason awakes now and hears her dad's voice. She begins to run towards his voice. William and Thomason hug now as they reunite. Caleb finds a house in the woods and approaches. A beautiful woman exits the house, and he's infatuated. Ghoulish music plays as he walks towards her. She rubs his face and kisses his lips, and we see her, like, old-looking hand grab his head. Catherine asks what's wrong with Thomason, and William tells her first thing in the morning, he will seek out Caleb and won't return until he finds him. Catherine asks why they went to the woods. William admits he sold her silver cup and asks for Catherine's and Thomason's forgiveness. He now confesses he took Caleb to the woods for food. They go out into the rain now and she hits her husband as she weeps. Catherine holds her two youngest children as Thomason helps her father and his bloody lip. Catherine kisses Thomason as she goes outside to check on the goats. Thomason hears a rustle and goes outside. She finds Caleb naked, leaned against the fence. Thomason yells for her father. Caleb is inside the house now, laying down by some candles, and they put, like, bandages around his stomach area. They now cut the his temple on his head and drain some blood out of him. Catherine prays over him. William is back outside chopping wood in the rain. Mercy is now asking Black Philip what ails Caleb. She tells Thomason that Black Philip says she's the evil one who cursed Caleb. Thomason notices blood not milk coming from the goat and she jumps away from it catherine asks william does this not look like witchcraft as they look at caleb william tells her we'll go back to the plantation tomorrow they can't be beggars though 
and they'll take Caleb to the doctor to see if this is natural. She says she wants to be home in England. She now makes a confession. She's be, she has become as Job's wife. Her heart turned into stone. She says her faith is very weak since Samuel's disappearance. William leaves and goes back to the field. All right, go ahead, Brian. Yes, such a great scene with, with Caleb and, I don't know, the witch, a witch, one of the witches. But, like, you know, he's given in to that lustful sin one more time. But, I mean, come on with the come on with the dog. Damn it. I mean, Edgar, like, and my man, look, my man Caleb is, like, 11 or 12, and she has boobs. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, come on. But, you know, that that arm coming up is one of the very few jump scares we get. If you even want to call it that, uh, the music getting super loud or anything, it's just like, bam, it's just disturbing. And this is where the movie really starts to weigh down with that dread. You know, it just really cranks it up in this set of scenes. Um, and here is also where, where Catherine, I think, really starts to just fall off the edge and kind of become unhinged. Again, Mike touched on it. Kate Dickey does such a great job of portraying that. And, you know, another underlying theme of this movie really starts to crank up here as well, where it's like, yeah, the witch is manipulating shit, but this family is also starting to, to tear itself apart from the inside. You know, not trusting each other, blaming each other. It adds so much tension because there's really, there really is no safety. You don't have that safety with your family like you would normally would um, away from whatever the evil is. Um, and it's probably the best job I've ever seen of the lead character literally step by step, little by little, losing everything in her life. But Thomas and I mean, I mean, like step by step, everything is stripped away from her. And, you know, lastly, you know, we get we get Katie breaking down further. I love the line about how she's she's sorry she's been a shrew. Like, are you sure you were super nice to even begin with? I mean, I don't know, I'm just saying. But, you know, just based on what we've seen so far anyway. But like, you know, but you have to you have to have William here still with all of this worried, like with all of this going on, he's still worried about how things quote unquote look to the village. He's still letting pride chop him down here. And I, I love it. I love everything about it. Yeah. Um, first off, I just want to say, Hey, Caleb, I get it. I would have walked straight up to that woman too, which or not. I understand pal. Um, I said the same thing when we did knock, knock, I was like, that's my worst case. Like, that's my worst nightmare because that's 100% a trap I would fall into. Uh, same thing. Free fucking pizza. This, she is my free pizza in the middle of the woods. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, further in these scenes, unless these little bitches are Dr. Doolittle and Dr. Doolittle Jr., I would have killed these kids. Like, you're doing too much talking to the goddamn goat. Fuck that. Funny story. Funny thing about that was when I put that in my notes. Then I realized that Ralph Innocent was actually in 2020's Doolittle. And so I'm like, okay, now this is, is this coincidence? I don't know. Fuck these kids. Um, but thank, seriously, though. Thank God he has these movies to fall back on. Because <laughs> that movie is a pile of dog shit. Anyway, hey, put some respect sorry, on. Ralph, please come on the show. Put, put some respect on Robert Downey Jr. Um, I will, except for that movie. <laughs> so this set of scenes, though, I don't have a lot other than what Brian said. Because this set of scenes is a lot of dialogue heavy and a lot of building. And so this set of scenes just did a great job of building that tension and making you feel uneasy and preparing you for uh, what's going to happen. And, and it just really lets you like this. Is, I think this is the turning point in the movie that I realized there's not going to be a happy ending here that I don't, you know, this is not yeah. going to work out. There might be a couple survivors, but this is not going to be good. Um, and it just, 
it's all about the uh, the atmosphere and the score, just like most yeah. of this movie is. And they hit it out of the park again with this set of scenes. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of my takeaway from this set of scenes, too, because there's not a lot that happens. But this movie kicks up a little bit here to me as far as as the the way it makes the eeriness, the 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 sense of dread that I, I it's there the whole film. But this is the set of scenes that kind of makes me feel like, OK, uh, we're about to get some like there's no way this could end well. Um, the family, you know, it's funny. I, they're looking for Thomason, but when she comes back, they're pissed at her. Like I, I completely understand Thomason's plight in this film. Like again, Edgar, Edgar said it wasn't directly a feminist film, but the fact that the issues that she's facing here still <laughs> exist in modern times where people can connect that he said, that's really cool. I'm glad that people can connect, but it's not cool because these issues still exist. Um, so like, I, I like that right here, this is kind of where Thomason, I start to empathize and sympathize with her a lot because they treat her like total shit for almost no damn reason, except for these little twins and their shit eating grins. Like again, great acting by the way, just hate these kids, man. Like it pissed me off the whole film. Um, I hate it. But anyway, again, not a whole lot, but you get the sense of the 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 wife Catherine is not happy wife mom she's not happy in this whole thing she wants to go not just back to the plantation but back to England even like she she this whole thing you know and we kind of touched on it but William is not a great provider <laughs> he doesn't do a whole lot well but chop wood and he's a hypocritical Christian you know and and to me that makes him I'm okay with flawed characters, but I just like this set of scene does a really good job. It has a lot of dialogue. So again, I didn't take notes for, I'd have been there all day writing what people said, but I really like what this set of scenes done setting up what's coming and, and making me feel more of a sense of dread. Kind of like Dustin touched on, which was fuck that this is not going to be good. Like somebody else is going to die very soon. And as you see, that's exactly what happened. Very well said, Mike, because the next couple scenes are two of my favorite, but it's very hard to do justice me reading it, so I, yeah. you got to watch this movie. Uh, William calls for Jonas and Mercy. They begin to cut the crop down. Mercy begins to sing about Black Philip, and now we hear a loud scream. The family runs inside and gathers around Caleb. Caleb wakes and says, she's upon me. She pinches, he yells. Catherine asks him, what does this? But his mouth is sealed. William tells Thomason to get the kids out. William pries his mouth open, and he spits an apple out. Mercy tells him Thomason is a witch. She turned the goat's milk to blood. William forces her to her knees and asks if she believes in the word, if she loves God. The family prays for Caleb now. Jonas and Mercy say they can't remember their prayers. Caleb wakes again. It's her, and he names off several animals. She desires of my blood. The parents pray over Caleb as he chants, I am thine, my enemy. I wallow in my sins. He now prays to Jesus. He sits up towards Christ and says, Take me to thy lap. He exhales some and he leans back on the pillow and he dies. Catherine shakes his body, begging him to wake up, please, as she cries. He is dead, she yells. Thomason is yelled at by a mother as she gets close to be gone. William stops her outside and holds her as she cries in his arms. 
He tells her of how he visioned a proper farm. He tells her he must tell her the truth. She says they lie. I love Caleb, she says. I made no bargain. I am no witch. He tells her to speak truth. <laughs> and this is one of my favorite scenes. Like It was hilarious mm-hmm. first time I watched it. I wrote, she snaps on his ass now. They plan to rid the farm of her, she asks. She calls him out on the cup and calls him a hypocrite. She yells, you can't farm, you can't hunt. She tells yes, him the queen. adversary comes in the form of the goat. He snatches her up and drags her in the house. William forces her to speak to her mother. She tells mother that Jonas and Mercy make covenant with the devil in the form of Black Philip. <laughs> William yells at the kids. Catherine yells, we are damned. William locks Jonas, Mercy, and Thomason in the goat pen with Black Philip and the other goats. Thomason asks, are they witches? She asks them if he really speaks to thee. William and Catherine bury Caleb now, and Catherine gets in the hole that they dug and hugs her son again. All right, and the next two scenes are the ending. Go ahead, Brian. Brian, before you go, this no. set of scenes is fucking awesome. This is, to me, the top set of scenes in this film. I fucking love them. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that was kind of my first. That was my first little thing. Is, is to me, this is the best set of scenes in the movie, or this be, especially this scene here with Caleb. Uh, to me, that's the best and most well done scene to me in the whole movie. And like, I mean, there's so much here. You've got the twins unable to pray because, again, folklore. Someone under the spell of witchcraft or possession, they are not able to complete the Lord's prayer. But yet, somehow, Thomason still gets blamed. Some, which is driving her further and further from faith. Uh, you've got all the layers here with with Caleb spitting out that apple. You know, that's from him lying about the apple earlier to Adam and Eve and the whole first temptation of man. There's just so much depth and so many layers here. And <clears throat> shout out to Harvey Scrimshaw for his performance as Caleb here, too. Again, you know, it makes me just just sick to my stomach having a son that age and watching this scene here with with Caleb. He does a fantastic job. You know, then he gets that little that short 15 second reprieve where you think, the prayer helped him and then boom, he's gone. He's dead. You know, and, and to me, like immediately following that powerful scene, it's just another truly just powerful scene immediately following with, with Anya Taylor joy and Ralph Innocent. I mean, it's just, just such a well acted scene with, with just showing the relationship between father and daughter. And it just feels real. Um, Innocent, you know, shows so much amazing emotion as he's like, he's trying to convey something that, you really just have to experience to, to even understand what he's doing, trying to convey freaking out over Caleb, but also loving Thomason as a daughter and trying to figure out what the hell is going on all at the same time. And he just, he, I felt that he, he conveys that he conveys that's just amazingly. Um, there were some more scenes planned to involve uh, black Philip, but because he's not like a well-trained goat as planned in real life, the ideas had to be scrapped. Fuck that Luciferian goat. But anyway, lastly, just the shot with Catherine in the grave with Caleb, such a gut-wrenching scene. I mean, just a beautiful shot. It conveys so much. It makes you feel so much emotion with absolutely zero dialogue. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so right off the bat here, first of all, this corn looks like shit that they're cutting. <laughs> this is some bad corn, man. <laughs> y- 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 y'all living for a long winter, e- even if you do live, bro. You ain't living very long after this. Uh, some bad crops. All right, so the reason I said this is an awesome set of scenes is because a lot starts to happen. Uh, so that's a good thing. But really, the, the kind of back and forth death scene with Caleb is so good. That kid acts his ass ass off 
in this set of scenes. I love it, man. I think it's great. Um, and so does the woman that plays Catherine, whose name I already said. I'm not great with names. You have to forgive me. But she, her, her conveying not only the sadness of watching her son go the way he's going, but the anger that she feels towards Thomason, which is not justified, by the way. But like picking the twins' side in a way is to to have those two split emotions. Brian touched on it with the character of William, but the same thing here with Catherine, where two emotions have to be conveyed at once. And I think it's done so well. It's so gut wrenching to watch her weep openly over over Caleb. And again. Caleb is one of my favorite characters in the film, probably my favorite character. And his death was impactful to me. Like that is, you could tell, like he gave in to his sin and it ended up costing him his life. And I think that's a really good narrative plot to keep throughout the film. So I love that scene. It's so intense with the twins accusing Thomason of witchcraft or, you know, being the witch of the woods and, and we, you know, we saw what played out earlier, but no one believes her and all this other stuff. So I think that's, God, it's so intense. It's a, it's a family dynamic at its core. It's, it's a family drama almost at its core there. And I think that's really, really good. Um, and again, the scene with uh, Thomason and William, where she basically puts his ass on blast, I fucking love. That is what I've been waiting. I've been waiting for somebody to call this motherfucker out. And she finally does, calls him a hypocrite, calls him pretty much a lousy hunter, uh, grower of crops. Like she calls, he throws his ass under the bus, and I fucking love it uh, because it's it's earned because she, he's not believing her while she's trying to say, I'm not a witch. You should probably look at those twins and the little, Brian, you touched on it, the little attention to detail about them not being able to say the Lord's Prayer. It, because they're under the spell of witchcraft going all the way back to, you know, folklore and folktale. That's such a good detail that it, you watch it the first time. You don't even think about it, but doing prep for this show is something that I learned. I had no idea that was something that existed. That is, is why I love doing the show, but I thought that was a such nice attention to detail. I loved it. Um, and again, whether you think that was real or whether you think those those twins were being little shits, kind of like the Salem witch trials 50 years later where some people were faking uh, that they had been put under witches' spells and stuff like that. That's kind of what I took from it. But maybe I'm, you know, maybe that's just my interpretation. But again, love this set of scenes. I think it's awesome. The final shot here of Catherine, you know, hugging the corpse and the like, it is so good. It, it's rainy, it's gloomy. But it, it's so well done, it's so well shot, so well lit, and the music is great. I just think this is the best pure set of scenes in the movie. Because after this, we get a little fantastical for my taste. But I I think this set of scenes right here really, really is the, the strongest part of this film. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned how that corn looks like shit. Uh, so I read that. In one shot in this movie, the corn can be seen with signs of ergot, which is a hallucinogenic fungus. And so that could be used to explain to those that aren't believers in this type of uh, supernatural being and uh, you know, higher power 
and Satanism and devil worship and all this stuff. If you don't believe in that, then that could be something that could be used to uh, describe the events that this family believes they're seeing happen. You know, the blood yeah. coming from the um, utter, the uh, Black Phillip talking and everything that happens in this movie. That could be one way to use uh, to explain that. But, um, you know, this set of scenes is, like you guys said, this is the strongest scene uh, set of scenes in the movie just from an acting perspective because our boy uh, Caleb, what, what was his name? I want to give him his proper something, Scrimshaw. Harvey Scrimshaw. That boy uh, showed his acting chops here. He acted his ass yeah, off with that little scene. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he did. First of all, it was a crazy sounding scream that came from the inside. He's great. Um, sounded like He's a awesome, grown woman scream. Uh, and everybody rushes inside. And then this is just a tense scene with the praying. Everyone's gathering in a circle and we're going to pray. And the parents are freaking out. They're half mad. They're half scared. Um, you got the twins doing their own thing, just being creepy as fuck. But that should have showed the parents everything that you need to know, which I don't know how widespread knowledge it was back then. But, you know, if someone is uh, possessed or something, it's said that they can't recite uh, Bible verses and they can't do uh, religious things. So when they can't pray, I'd be like, okay, these little bastards are possessed. They're going in the barn alone. But. That's not what happens. They put Thomason in the fucking shed. She's the one that's trying to let you know what's going on. We're going to punish her and put her out here, put her life in danger with Black Phillip and these fucking twins. That's just bad parenting there. So there's another man. Fuck them kids award. Um, I did think it was awesome. Like you guys said, like you said, Mike, when Thomason put his ass on blast, like, oh, you, you want me to tell the truth? Uh, well, you did this. Is this the truth? Well, you suck at this. Is this the truth? That was awesome. Um, that you know basically called his ass a raggedy bitch yeah you raggedy bitch that's exactly what she did i can't decide who's acting was stronger in this movie caleb or thomason uh because they both just acted their asses off um but you know this set of scenes is really like i said this was the best set of scenes in the movie but the ending is still so strong enough to where i don't feel like i was a letdown yeah it's it's just great movie from here on out like it wasn't already all right, here's the ending. William is chopping wood again, getting all of his frustration out. This is my fault, he confesses as he falls to his knees, sobbing. I am infected with the filth of pride. Dispose me how thou will, but redeem my children, he cries out. Later that night, Catherine wakes and she sees her cup and Caleb holding Samuel. She hugs his neck as Caleb says he's longed to see her. Back in the goat pen, we hear a thud. The kids begin to panic. Caleb asks if it would please her to see them off. Sam cries, and she breastfeeds him. The kids see the witch in the corner drinking milk from the goat. They scream when they see her face, and she laughs. Catherine is getting her breast pecked at by a raven as she sits there laughing hysterically. William wakes up and crawls over his wife. He goes outside and sees the goat pen destroyed, and only Thomason remains. Jonas and Mercy are missing. He looks towards the sky as Black Philip rams into his gut. William grabs the axe to fight back, but gives in to his fate. Corruption, thou art my father. The goat rams into his chest, knocking him into the giant stockpile of wood that falls on him, killing him. Thomason walks towards her father, and Catherine grabs her and asks, where are they? She calls her the devil. You have their blood on thy hands. You reek of evil. You took them from me. You killed my children. She gets Thomason to the ground, and Thomason grabs like a gardening knife tool of some sort and slices her mother's face. She chokes Thomason, 
and Thomason now stabs her mother repeatedly, killing her with blood all over her face. Thomason cries and holds her mother's dead body. She now tosses her mother's body off of her and walks away slowly. She looks into the woods, and then she walks into the house and sits at the table, resting as she puts her head down. She wakes up to the sounds of chiming. She walks up to Black Philip and follows it into the pen. She calls for Black Philip to speak to her. What does thou want, he asks her. Would you like the taste of butter, a pretty dress? Would you like to live deliciously? He asks if she sees the book before thee. He has her remove her cloak. He appears behind her. She says she can't write her name, but he guides her hand. We see Thomason walk into the woods naked with the goat following behind her. We hear chanting. Thomason sees other naked women around the around the fire chanting and they begin to levitate. Thomason begins to laugh as she begins to levitate as well. The film ends as we see her almost to the top of the trees. All right, Brian, go ahead. What do you think of the ending? So, again, I think Ralph Anderson has another tremendous scene with him breaking down, chopping those wood, chopping that wood and, you know, finally admitting just obviously too late that his prize just consumed him. But I thought that was just amazing performance from Anderson right there. Also, just another insane visual with that Raven and Catherine. I mean, the whisperer was was obviously Lucifer coming to her as Caleb. Right. I mean, and and having her sign the book, which another piece of folklore here was witches were believed to have a witch's teat, a special nipple or blemish with, with which they nursed their familiars and fed them blood. This is referred to apparently when, when Catherine nurses the crow. So more folklore right there. And, um, you know, I feel like the kids are eaten here by the witch, I think, or, or else maybe just taken and used by the witch's coven possibly. Um, I wasn't sure. I, I don't know. I, I'll, Either way, I guess they didn't really explain that. And wow, I didn't find out till here that in the 15th and 16th centuries that the Catholic Church declared eating butter was a bigger sin than lying, blasphemy, or impurity. Seriously? I mean, I'm not I'm not a fan of the big Catholic Church anyway, but this definitely doesn't help. And secondly, again, fuck the 1600s. No fucking butter? Are you kidding me? But okay, this ending, you know, pal. Obviously. <laughs> The ending, obviously, is for, up for interpretation. Dustin touched on it. I think it's meant by Egger to t- be taken literally, but I saw that there's a ton of evidence to where you could definitely say that it's possible the family was hallucinating the whole thing um, on that ergot corn shot that Dustin touched on earlier. Um, you know, because that's that's actually what they attribute to a lot of real-life stories of possession and witchcraft. Plus, they're not eating well at all. So uh, that's definitely definitely something that that you could you you could add in there um so it's a, a layer and another way to take this movie for sure uh but regardless it's definitely understandable that that now you know i said earlier thomason feels abandoned by god the religion completely um lucifer basically used it against her and the family to pull her in and you know it's not that far of a leap to say that she would eventually give in and give her soul over which again is why i think this movie resonates so, so much with me because of my belief in all this stuff and so you know, anyway, I have some more in my closing, so I'll shut up now. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I like the first part of this set of scenes a lot. Um, I like that uh, William dies at the hand of Black Phillip, and he gets buried underneath the wood. He's been spending the last uh, 20 weeks cutting <laughs> into little pieces. Uh, I thought that was nice, uh, a poetic way for him to go. Um, but also, the first time I ever watched this movie, when that death happens, I thought to myself, up. Oh, Black Phillip is something. I don't know what, but something. They're not keeping this goat around for no reason. And like, you know, 
Dustin mentioned he's on the poster or one of the posters. And I'm like, well, okay, he's got to mean more than just the pet, you know, the pet goat that provides milk and stuff. Um, so, and I like the, there's been a really weird, tenuous relationship with Catherine and Thomason and to see it kind of come to a head this way. Um, you know, this is the first time. And by the way, I don't know if anybody else found this, but I, I believe I listened to something while I was at work today and it kind of sparked it in my head was this the first time that the character of Catherine lets her hair down in the whole film. Oh, I didn't Um, notice that. It's this scene right here with, (laughs) and it's supposed to symbolize something. Sorry for not having all my information there, but I remember that being, that was on purpose. Uh, It it was supposed to be exactly like that. This scene with Thomas in here where they're like, she's kind of, she's lost the same. So they've, it's kind of weird because they both have lost the faith in the same way. And, but they're fighting over, you know, got, they don't almost don't even know what they're fighting over anymore, except everybody else is gone, but them. Um, and so that's why they get into this, you know, a little bit of a tussle here. And obviously if you're Thomas and you have no choice here as your mom is trying to kill you, you have to do something. And, you know, I think, uh, it's a powerful scene because they have such a tenuous relationship the whole time. And I just think it's so it's almost devastating to have to see her go through that and to have to do that. Cause I don't think she sees her mom the way that her mom sees her. And I think that's what makes it pretty tragic and sad. Um, I just want to point out on this most recent rewatch when she goes, you know, after all that happens and she goes to sit down at the table, I thought about me sleeping on my desk in high school and I thought, no way I could sleep more than 30 minutes in that position, no matter what happened to me. I got to get up and move around a little bit because I'm slumped over with my head down on the table. Big crick in the neck. I'm be, I, I'd be stiff. That's uncomfortable as fuck. I don't know how, how she slept that long in that way. Okay. So here's what I'll say. I, and, like, I like all this. Uh, I like all this stuff with Black Phillip. I really do. My problem is this gets a little now I think this kind of would depend on your beliefs and that's okay. Like I understand Brian's point. And I think I'm going to understand Dustin's point, but for me, it gets a little fantastical to me a little bit. This movie is so grounded in reality that here we are and we get this get kind of, you know, we knew that black Phillip was going to be something ends up being, Lucifer himself. And I, I like that. I, I, I think that works, but everything after that. So I'm fine with him even talking because obviously he's a real, you know, he's a, an entity and he, you know, yeah, you know, he can take human form if he wants to. That's kind of the whole deal. And I think him, he liked to live still. I can't do a good impersonation, but the, to taste the butter, like to live deliciously is a great line, by the way, whoever wrote that, which I'm sure is Zagras, it's great. Love it. It's awesome. Uh, also makes for a great T-shirt. Brian, just saying, would you like to live deliciously? It's a great T-shirt. It, hopefully, you I agree. Can find it. Hopefully, you can find that. Don't go out there. dot com soon. Uh, <laughs> uh, but everything after that interaction, which I really enjoy, gets a, so them kind of like her becoming a witch. I'm okay with, I guess. But like them lifting themselves up in the air and having this big chant circle. Just 
it, it got away from everything I thought was so good about this film. So I don't hate it, but it kind of ended on a down note for me just because I thought it was too far away from what I liked about the rest of the movie, if that makes sense. Doesn't mean it's not logical. Doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. Just a preference for me. I would have liked a little more of a grounded ending, I guess. But I do love that the movie ends on a shot of Thomason basically smiling for the first time since she lost Sammy in the you know since Sammy got taken. That's that's the first time we've ever seen her genuinely happy. Uh, it's unfortunate that it came at the hands of turning her life over to Satan. So that's kind of unfortunate. But I do like that the movie ends on that shot because it makes you it makes you have a multiple emotions. It makes you happy for her, but it also you have to think of which Brian touched on. Giving her life over to Satan is not super awesome. <laughs> so again, conflicted emotions, and I like that they ended on that shot. I think it was really good. Yeah, I would I think- like to also. I would like to also point out real fast before you go, Dustin, that. Uh, we have a shirt on don'tgooutthere.com that you can customize with any quote that you would like, including quote of from this movie. You're so. right. You're absolutely right. Go now, ahead. Brian, now I don't have to make Brian work harder than he already does. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, this this is a great ending to this movie. It does a lot uh, making you think, um, well, you know, the what's going on. Was this just a hallucination with the Samuel and uh, Caleb being in the same room? And then she's breastfeeding and the, the crow's pecking at her titties and she wakes up with her nipples bleeding. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very crazy sequence of events there. Uh, and then, you know, my man William goes back to doing the one thing that he's good at. Uh, and I love the irony and the, you know, he's been working on this wood pile the entire goddamn movie and it's what's his undoing. Um, love that. <laughs> Uh, you know, we get a we get a very powerful set of scenes or a very powerful moment rather with Thomason and her, and her mom, because uh, you can understand her mom's line of thought, right? She's delusional because her whole family's right. dying all of a sudden, and what's the common denominator in every tragedy that they've experienced so far? Thomason just happens to be there, so she's like, "Get away from me, bitch!" And then she tries to kill her, and uh, you know, you can understand Thomason's. Uh, you really felt the emotion that Thompson was feeling. She did not want to kill her mom. And then just yeah. the the relief of, okay, I've done it. She's alive. What do I do now? Um, the first thing that I would do is get the fuck out of there. There's no way in hell I'd just go inside and put my head down on the table and sleep with the door open. Um, but, you know, you kind of get the feeling that's what she – the rest of this movie is what she wanted. She walks right up to uh, – that black bastard and follows him into the the room there and just asks him, Philip, show me your ways. And it, it really cracked me up because the whole, do you, uh, do you desire butter? It's like that old, uh, come to the dark side. We have cookies. It's like, come to Satanism. <laughs> we have butter. Uh, and you know, and so, yeah, my, it sound like a sex hotline when you did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, he's trying to seduce her with butter. But my big, Fact. my biggest takeaway from this entire movie was that the the biggest thing that Satanism has to offer is high cholesterol. So you know I'm good on it. I appreciate the offer though. Um, it's very unnerving to see her walk upon this uh, fucking bonfire where all the witches are levitating. Um, that was crazy. And so I, I really, you know, that's when I'm like, okay, maybe she's just high. But uh, all in all, it's a very good movie. 
it's a very good ending to the movie because it's tragic. Everyone's dead except for her, and she's lost forever. Well, especially so because just, she walks oh, up on that she walks up on that witch's coven and starts floating herself. But yeah. she they all have got the the yeah. unbaptized blood on them. She's just right. You know, is that is that real? Is that in her head? You know, who knows? That's a good case for hallucination that I, that I I didn't even think about. Also, I'm pretty sure that my man Eggers here wrote this script off the last verse of Time Marches On by Tracy Lawrence. <laughs> Brothers on a diet of high cholesterol. <clears throat> Mama's out of touch with reality. Daddy's in the ground way beneath the maple tree. Come on, man. Damn. <laughs> that's a great That's a great song. Uh, <laughs> Dustin knows would, all the words. Sing it, Dustin. <laughs> the, the only thing I would say, Brian, is about the blood is she did have Mercy and Jonas's blood on her. Maybe that counts. I don't know. Did she? Yeah. Were they not baptized? Oh, I don't. Know. I, don't I, I doubt. Well, I don't know. I doubt they were. But what, I don't. Why did she have blood? Why did they? She have their blood on her. Remember, because the the witch, I guess, killed. Might have killed them in there. In so the she pen. was. Because her, mom, her, no, her mom says that she has her, you know, little brother and sister's I'll, blood I'll on her blood hands. On your hand. No, oh, but okay. uh, having the their blood is on your hands. I thought. I thought that I took that oh, to be like, metaphorical because that's yeah. very. You know, that's a very common saying when you're responsible for someone, their blood's on yes. your hands. I didn't think the blood well, was really on your hands. That's almost even more evidence that this whole thing could be metaphorical and hallucination. Almost. Uh, I don't see this as a hallucination. I don't, I don't see that, honestly. But uh, any, any, that's just me, though. Any final thoughts for you just jump into social media questions and comments? All right. We'll start on Facebook. Uh, Missy Hutchinson Wall, she commented, I look forward to your comments on this one. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I totally understand. Uh, John Watson commented, I like this movie. I only saw it once, though. I know people who didn't like it, but if they put themselves in the mindset of the time period and they understood how the Puritans took witchcraft seriously, they might understand it better, I think. I think Brian kind of touched on that. Uh, he said he looks forward to our review, and uh, and he said, never, ever trust or have a bl- evil black goat as your pet. Uh, good advice. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Potoff, uh, he says, well, it's turd salad for your ears, ha. Huh? Can't wait. <laughs> Who picked this out of all the great movies? I did, Kevin Potoff. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's jump to Instagram now. Elbow.Tyler commented, the dark, grim forest atmosphere in this one is 10 out of 10. Did you guys think it has an underlying theme of the consequences of being devoutly religious, like that it makes people paranoid, delusional, and turn against one another? Cheers with the little beers, beer glasses emoji. Uh for these people, I agree 100%. They were so paranoid about being perfect, it seemed like. They eventually just all fell to their own weaknesses, it seems like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Jay Hambrick, 88, commented, Very good choice. This movie is dope as hell. Appreciate you having on my team, my man. Uh, Jayman5765 said, This is one I haven't seen yet. We've got a couple of comments about that. Uh, y'all need to check this movie out. Make your own, uh, make so. your own yep. feelings on it. Because uh, even just watching the kill count, you won't get the uh, the feel of it. Danny C. Knapps, a new blood donor, she commented, so excited for this one. I love this movie. The child actors are all so amazing, and I love that it was shot in natural light. The nighttime scenes are so creepy. I agree. All right, we'll jump to Twitter now. We're almost done. My man Hunter Nelson, just not my kind of movie. To be honest, I don't think I even watched this all the way through the one time I watched it. I get it, man. I, th- I really do. Shan, she commented that she hasn't seen this one, but it's on her list to check out. Uh, like I said, check it out for sure. And yeah, Mike's cousin Vinny, 
He said he loves hey, this one. He does. And he dropped a pretty funny graphic that I say, "What's thou like to live deliciously?" Yes, he I would. that shit all the time, and, and <laughs> like, I love it. And I quoted the tweet as well, and I had a couple fans comment back. Hernandez Gunn, he commented, big fan here. And then my man Eric Shepard, he said, that's a good one. He likes Robert Eggers' other movie, The Lighthouse, as well. All right, that's all I got for the uh, social media. Let's go ahead and jump into fun facts. Does anybody want to go first? I just got one I'll knock out real quick. All right. Uh, So our guy, Ralph Innocent, you know, he was in Doolittle, like I mentioned, with Robert Downey Jr., who was Iron Man. Iron Man was in The Avengers with Scarlett Johansson, who was in Eight-Legged Freaks with David Arquette. Now, I could have went a different route because Robert Downey Jr. was in Iron Man 3 with Jenna Ortega, and she's in the upcoming Scream movie with David Arquette. But I figured, you know, I've been out for a few episodes, so i got to bring that back, and that's literally the only fun fact I have. (laughs) The spelling of the witch is how the word was written in the stories, period, because the letter W was not yet in common use at the time. Uh, this was the film debut for Anya Taylor-Joy in a credited role, the same for Sarah Stevens. And the last one I got is Anya Taylor-Joy was the very first audition tape that director Robert Eggers saw. It's pretty pretty impressive. That's pretty awesome. She's a great actress, no doubt. All right, Mike, go with that budget. All right, so this uh, movie had a budget of $4 million, and that surprised me. I really thought it had a little bit of a higher budget, but that's – that that's wow. great. That, 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 they did a great job with it, grossing forty million dollars. Um, I did read online that Eggers considered a prequel to this movie, and I'm part of me's interested, and part of me's not. Uh, I think if you could get everybody back together, same team, same cast, same everything, I would definitely have some interest in it. Just because I think you would get what actually happened to get them exiled from the Commonwealth, but it, he's kicked the idea around in his head, but he said that may be something that he would do way down the road after he makes the other movies he'd like to make first. Yeah. I just don't see how you can get the same crew back because everybody's at way least older. six years older now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's jump into our favorite kill. least favorite kill in the rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go first this week. I'll just go ahead and knock me out. Favorite kill. I chose William. I just wrote, you just don't see goats killing folks too often. That was a pretty cool kill. Uh, least favorite. Well, Michael Myers kills people all the time, and he's the goat. So, oh, boy. oh there you go. Yeah, okay. all right, sure. Sure, sure, pal. Sure, pal. The, go- the goats don't wear CGI masks. Anywho, least yeah, favorite. The goats- yeah, the goats aren't scared of water. No, nah, he's not. Least favorite off-screen <laughs> kill of Jonas and Mercy. <laughs> I really couldn't think of a, of a least favorite kill. You know, Dead Meat didn't pick one, but I just chose well, Jonas and Mercy. It's not a bad kill in this movie. It's not yeah. a bad kill. Uh, I just wrote a little summary. I think this movie nails the atmosphere, mood, the time, the era, the setting also well. I think Robert Eggers from the small sample size I've watched of his is absolutely brilliant. Uh, I can barely make a scene by scene, and this guy writes an entire script in this old New England dialect. Just amazing. (laughs) Anya Taylor-Joy's debut, and what a way to make a debut. Just incredible acting from her. I think the mother and father do a great job as well. The dedication the cast and crew put into making this movie it really shows. Uh, it's remote Canadian woods. They had no cell service or Wi-Fi. The actors and actresses were not able to go home at night. Uh, Ralph Innocent went to the emergency room three times, one of which included a tendon being separated from his ribs from uh, fighting or you know dealing with Black Phillip. 
Uh, this movie, like others we reviewed in the past, just made me feel so unsettled at the end of my first viewing. I've seen yeah. several witch movies, and none have made me feel like this one. Uh, the only real con is it's just not a film you watch to enjoy and have fun with. Uh, it's a grim tale, but very well executed. I gave it an 8.75. Okay. Um, I'll go ahead and go. My favorite kill was Caleb because I thought it was great acting from Harvey Scrimshaw there. Um, my least favorite kill tied between the baby and the dog because fuck you for doing both of them. My closing, uh, I didn't say it in the review, but, uh, I did get a lot of kind of Blair Witch and Village vibes, which I like both of those substantially more to be able to just sit down and just watch and have a good time. But from a storytelling perspective, like this one's phenomenal, um, just in a different way. It's definitely a movie that, you know, I'll, it'll definitely stick in my psyche for a while, no doubt. Um, one of the first times I watched it, I actually had to stop, take a break, truthfully go hug my kids. My son was even like, what's wrong with you, dad? Um, <laughs> so whenever I did, but you know, it's, it's up there with passion of the Christ with me as one of those where you just, you're hearing the, I mean, it's like when you're hearing the voice of Lucifer whispering to Thomason, um, it really sticks with me. And like, it gave me that same uncomfortable feeling that I got when, when Satan tries to tempt Jesus and, in, in, uh, in passion of the Christ, um, Again, you know, you deal with this stuff that I I believe is real, and so it really started to mess with me. Um, I gave the movie an eight point five. Okay, all right. So yeah, um, I agree with a lot of what you guys said. Um, I think this movie, as far as atmosphere and score goes, is a ten out of ten. I think um, historical accuracy is a ten out of ten. Um, as far as the kills, though, my favorite kill was also William, just because I, I love the irony. Uh, like you said, Nico, it is not every day that we see a goat kill someone. Um, but also just the fact that, you know, he was buried in all this wood that he's been working on this entire movie was kind of funny to me. Um, I love uh, poetic justice. Um, my least favorite kill was Samuel because, you know, I didn't need to see a baby dick on my screen in the first place. Um, so I, and I didn't just, I didn't really appreciate seeing a baby's blood being churned like fucking butter. Um, but the movie was great. I I do think that, you know, I haven't really said anything negative in this movie, but I just, I can't really justify giving it higher than what I've given some of the other movies that I could, you know, have rewatchability. I think rewatchability is the one thing that takes this one down a little bit because I'm in no rush to watch this again. And it's not a mock on a uh, knock on the movie. It's just a uh, subject matter, I guess is it's so fucking unnerving, which that's what it wanted to achieve, and it did it. It's just for me, I had to knock it down a peg for that. So I went with a 8.25. Nice. Before you go, Mike, I just want to say one thing. Uh, Dustin, your your least favorite kill, churning the baby up. How brave of a director are you to kill a dog yeah. and churn a baby up in your very first movie? Right. Yeah, right. I mean, it's not like all the baby stuff was off screen either. I mean, you saw a decent amount of it. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 stomach churning, man. There's no doubt. Um, go, go ahead, Mike. I, uh, oh, yeah. My favorite kill is also William, which I touched on in the scene by scene, uh, just because it was so ironic. Uh, not Alanis Morissette ironic because none of those her none of her things are actually ironic. This one is. <laughs> uh, and my, my 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 least favorite kill is Sammy because I didn't need to die. I could go a million years and never see that again. And that would be fine. But I think that's the point. So I applaud. Uh, him for doing that um okay so again i everything i said in my opening this movie is really good they do so much right score sound 
cinematography, the way it, you know, the way it's lit. Uh, I think Eggers does a great job behind the camera shot selection in the editing room is good. Like it's all really good. It's not super rewatchable. Um, but that does not mean I don't take that into consideration when rating a film sometimes, because if something is so good at what it's trying to do, I give it a lot of credit. Um, but with this film, I will say it, it gets a little slow in parts, even for me. And I love a slow, like I really do love a slow burn more than most people. I appreciate this movie's runtime. Clap that up. Hour and a half. We're in and out of here. We love that. Uh, But all that being said, I gave this movie a 7.5. And I know that seems a little low, but part of it is just because there's nothing, there's no high in this movie at all. There's nothing to be happy about. And I know it's a horror movie, you know, and we do horror movies and some horror movies, most horror movies are supposed to scare you. But some of our favorite horror movies had moments where we're like, yeah, let's fucking go. Like our favorite slasher movies were like, yeah, look at this shit. And there's no moment of joy. So I gave it a 7.5, but that's not a knock on it at all. It's so well made. I almost gave it an eight. I really did. And I just couldn't bring myself to it, but I would definitely recommend watching this movie. If you've never seen it at least once, I also recommend watching it at night in the dark because some of the visuals and shots (laughs) they give you, you won't have full appreciation for if you don't do it. Yeah, and watch with the subtitles. Um, that gives us yes, a composite score subtitles. on this one. Our composite score on this one's an eight and a quarter, eight point two five. Um, I think that IMDb had it at a six point nine, so oh, a little bit higher on that. It proves that we, in fact, know more than IMDb. Yeah, and I think only, there's only like a thousand views or a thousand reviews on that or something like that. No, IMDb's that, only right when it helps us. <laughs> maybe, maybe I picked that. Two hundred twenty-seven thousand, but you're close. Oh, wow, shit. what the. What the hell hey, was I looking at? IMD, <laughs> IMDb is only right when we need it to confirm our bias. Exactly. I think you might have been thinking about Thanksgiving. I don't think it had very many. Now, I will say that I'm, the... Uh, I'm looking. Hold on. User reviews. The actual like oh, typing yeah. user oh, reviews. Okay, That's okay, what okay. I was looking at. Okay, okay. So I will say that you know on this one, the, the ratings on that, the 6.9 out of 10, that's people like you and me that just have an IMDb account that go in there and click a star rating and it averages out. The meta score right. on this one's 83, and those are actual movie critics. So 83, 8.25, that's about the same grade. So we do know what we're talking about. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, any more final thoughts on The Witch? I'm glad you guys all liked it. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, just I honestly was pretty nervous movie. about it. For Pick good movies going forward, what? man. This was good for you. <laughs> All right. Listen, you made uh, us review Thanks Killing, you son of a bitch. I don't want to hear shit. I suggested I suggested it because of the holiday. I didn't make anything. That was not my pick. It was timely, so I suggested it. Oh no. You're gonna have to fire Brian up. You're oh no. fire Brian up. I can pull Dude, the text on that. Thanks killing the other night. Man, that movie is hilarious after a couple of rewatches. It is pretty funny. Right, Really All right, uh, so go ahead and announce your pick. Then yeah. I'm going to shout out our blood donors. We're going to get out of here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so next week, it's it's back around to me. Picked uh, Get Out, movie about someone being in a sunken place. And um, yeah, Get Out from Jordan Peele. It's a phenomenal movie that uh, is pretty different than anything we've reviewed, honestly. So uh, I'm excited yeah. to hear what you guys think about it. 
I love you for picking that because I own the Blu-ray, which that means 1.5 speed, 1.5 speed, <laughs> speed. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, All right I'm gonna shout out, to out here, man. Now. Uh, camp level reoccurring. We got Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, and Alex Seligson. Our camp counselor reoccurring are Hunter Nelson, Karen, Shan Petrusevich, Dennis Kennedy, and Edwin Hernandez Gunn. Uh, our new legendary blood donors, uh, we still got to do these. We'll definitely be knocking them out soon, though. Uh, Missy Hutchison Wall and Joe Larson. Appreciate y'all so much. And our newest one, a final girl, final guy donor, is uh, Danny Cenas. Really appreciate you, Danny. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to it's actually her birthday pretty soon, I think. But we'll be. She uh, got that for her from a birth for a birthday gift from my man Joe Black Tattoos. Y'all go follow him on Instagram. He does great work for tattoo work. Uh, Absolutely. Any more final thoughts? Get out of here. No, man. Hey, this is going to release on Wednesday or Thursday. I don't know yet. But happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, if you want a good laugh, <laughs> listen to our Thanksgiving review. That was uh, quite the movie. Uh, yeah, that was quite the movie. That's all I can say about that one. <laughs> yeah, that's the... I appreciate all support. Uh, hit 100,000 views on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Business, business is booming. We're going, going into the new year strong. Uh, y'all have a good one. Just want to remind everybody. Yeah.